Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar. We've been going through the Old Testament, seeing how Jesus and his gospel factors into every story. If you've missed any of them, search through the podcast or vlog for the studies on the books of Genesis through Ruth. As we continue God's story, which is really our story, I am changing how we go through the bulk of the rest of the Old Testament. If you read the Bible from cover to cover, the historical books get a bit confusing as the timeline isn't straight. My goal is to, as for the next studies, is to do them in historical sequence. So we'll bounce around the Old Testament, but the stories will make better sense. Jesus is the hero of the entire Bible, and we'll find him everywhere as we go along. Um, you'll also see how the Old Testament sets us up for the New Testament. And I've covered most of the New Testament, and you can find those studies along with podcast playlists on my blog. I pray that as you hear this message, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart and eyes and mind to understand what his spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. Let's dig in. First Kings 20. Almighty God protects your way in the hills and valleys. Why would God give evil King Ahab second and third ch chances to repent and admit there is only one true God? Seriously, a man marries Jezebel, the most evil woman ever, and from a pagan nation, who brings the worship of her pagan gods to Israel. That's one thing that God detests. That's idolatry. Yet, God is willing to forgive. Thus, he puts Ahab to the test. Will he pass? Let's dig in. First Kings 20. About that time, King Ben-Hadad of Aram, which is Syria, mobilized his army, supported by the chariots and horses of 32 allied kings. They went to besiege Samaria, the capital of Israel. They launched attacks against it. Ben-Hadad sent messengers into the city to relay this message to King Ahab of Israel. This is what Ben-Hadad says. Your silver and gold are mine, and so are your wives and the best of your children. All right, my lord and king, Israel's king replied, all that I have is yours. What a wimp. Soon, Ben-Hadad's messengers returned again and said, this is what Ben-Hadad said. Says, I have already demanded that you give me your silver, gold, wives, and children. But about this time tomorrow, I will send my officials to search your palace and the homes of your officials. They will take away everything you consider valuable. Then Ahab summoned all the elders of the land and said to them, look how this man is stirring up trouble. I already agreed with his demand that I give him my wives and children and silver and gold. Don't give in to any more demands, all the elders and the people advised. So Ahab told the messengers from Ben-Hadad, say this to my lord, the king, I will give you everything you ask for the first time, but I cannot accept this last demand of yours. Still willing to... <sighs> So the messengers returned to Ben-Hadad with that response. 
Then Ben-Hadad sent this message to Ahab, may the gods, little G gods, strike me and even kill me if there remains enough dust from Samaria to provide even a handful for each of my soldiers. The king of Israel sent back this answer. A warrior putting on his sword for battle should not boast like a warrior who already has won. Ahab's reply reached Ben-Hadad and the other kings as they were drinking in their tents. Prepare to attack, Ben-Hadad commanded his officers. So they prepared to attack the city. Then a certain prophet came to see King Ahab of Israel and told him, this is what the Lord says. Do you see all these enemy forces? Today, I will hand them all over to you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Ahab asks, how will he do it? And the prophet replied, this is what the Lord says. The troops of the provincial commanders will do it. Should we attack first, Ahab asked? Yes, the prophet answered. So Ahab mustered the troops of the 232 provincial commanders. Then he called out the rest of the army of Israel, some 7,000 men. About noontime, as Ben-Hadad and 32 allied kings were still in their tents drinking themselves into a stupor, the troops of the provincial commanders marched out of the city as the first contingent. As they approached, Ben-Hadad's scouts reported to him some troops are coming from Samaria. Take them alive, Ben-Hadad commanded, whether they have come for peace or for war. But Ahab's provincial commanders and the entire army had now come out to fight. Each Israelite soldier killed his Armenian, Syrian opponent, and suddenly the entire Armenian army panicked and fled. The Israelites chased them, but King Ben-Hadad and a few of his charioteers escaped on horses. However, the king of Israel destroyed the other horses and chariots and slaughtered the Armenians. Afterward, the prophet said to King Ahab, get ready for another attack. Begin making plans now for the king of Aram will come back next spring. Verse 23, after their defeat, Ben-Hadad's officers said to him, the Israelite gods are gods of the hills. That is why they won, but we can beat them easily on the plains. Only this time replace the kings with field commanders. Recruit another army like the one you lost. Give us the same number of horses, chariots, and men, and we will fight against them on the plains. There's no doubt that we will beat them. So King Ben-Hadad did as they suggested. The following spring, he called up the Aramean army and marched out against Israel, this time at Aphek. Israel then mustered its army, set up supply lines, and marched out for battle. But the Israelite army looked like two little flocks of goats in comparison to the vast Armenian forces that filled the countryside. Then the man of God went to the king of Israel and said, this is what the Lord says. The Arameans have said, the Lord is a God of the hills and not of the plains. So I will defeat this vast army for you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. The two armies camped opposite each other for seven days. And on the seventh day, the battle began. The Israelites killed 100,000 Aramean foot soldiers in one day. The rest fled into the town of Aphek. 
but the wall fell on them and killed another 27,000. Ben-Hadad fled into the town and hid in a secret room. Ben-Hadad's officers said to him, sir, we have heard that the kings of Israel are merciful, so let's humble ourselves by wearing burlap around our waists and putting ropes on our heads and surrender to the king of Israel, then perhaps he will let you live. So they put burlap and ropes, they put on burlap and ropes, and they went to the king of Israel and begged, your servant Ben-Hadad said, please let me live. The king of Israel responded, is he still alive? He is my brother. The men took this as a good sign and quickly picked up on his words. Yes, they said, your brother Ben-Hadad. I don't know, was he related to Jezebel? It could have been in-laws, I don't know. Go and get him, the king of Israel told him. And when Ben-Hadad arrived, Ahab invited him up into his chariot. Ben-Hadad told him, I will give back the towns my father took from your father, and you may establish places of trade in Damascus as my father did in Samaria. Then Ahab said, I will release you under these conditions. So they made a new treaty, and Ben-Hadad was set free. Meanwhile, the Lord instructed one of the group of prophets to say to another man, hit me. But the man refused to hit the prophet. Then the prophet told him, because you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, a lion will kill you as soon as you leave me. And when he had gone, a lion did attack and kill him. What's going on here? Then the prophet turned to another man and said, hit me. So he struck the prophet and wounded him. The prophet placed a bandage over his eyes to disguise himself and then waited beside the road for the king. As the king passed by, the prophet called out to him, Sir, I was in the thick of battle and suddenly a man brought me a prisoner. He said, guard this man. If for any reason he gets away, you will either die or pay a fine of 75 pounds of silver. But while I was busy doing something else, the prisoner disappeared. Well, it's your own fault, the king replied. You have brought the judgment on yourself. Then the prophet quickly pulled the bandage from his eyes and the king of Israel recognized him as one of the prophets. The prophet said to him, this is what the Lord says. What a ruse. Because you have spared the man, I said he must be destroyed. Now you must die in his place and your people will die instead of his people. So the king of Israel went home to Samaria, angry and sullen. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> what a story. <sighs> so here's some things to think about here, points to ponder. God gives Ahab some victories over King Ben-Hadad of Aram, Syria, and then gives him precise orders to kill him. Ahab, wimp that he is, spares him. Consequently, he is cursed. Remember what happened to King Saul when he didn't fully obey God? I'm going to let you do a little digging for yourself. So I have a link in my blog on that, right under Points to Ponder. You can click on that link and, and read what happened to King Saul. Now, how is it similar? Who, me? At first, Ahab is a wimp and gives Ben-Hadad what he asked for. Then Ben-Hadad figures, oh, that was easy, and it goes for more from Ahab. Only then does Ahab go to the elders for advice. Then the Lord tells him that he has to go fight, but that you'll give him victory. 
It's an assurance Ahab had never had before. Why would God give Ahab these victories? Seriously, a wall wall just happens to fall on 27,000 men? Ahab had rejected the God of Israel for the detestable pagan gods of his wife Jezebel. We find the uh, the answer in verse 13 and 28. Now the Lord says, do you see all these enemy forces? Today I will hand them over to you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And then verse 28, so I will defeat this vast army for you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. You know, when stuff is repeated in the Bible, it's things that you've got to pay attention. God is testing Ahab. If Ahab doesn't turn away from the pagan gods, follow and obey the God of Israel, he's got to be crazy. Ahab has nothing to lose. That's how he goes with it. So the Syrians attack in the mountains and are defeated. Now, they stupidly think that the gods, the little g-gods of the Israelites are little g-gods of the mountains only, not the valleys. That's the type of pagan gods they believed in. It's like having patron saints of a city or a country. Yes, those are gods to little g-gods. So after the Syrians regroup, they come back and attack in the valleys. Again, they are defeated. They underestimated God, the God of the hills and the valleys. So we underestimate the power of God. That's why I like reading the Old Testament. We get to see how powerful God really is. We need to know God in good times and bad. There are many who profess to be Christians and accumulate wealth. They're on the top of the hill. They think that God bless them until they lose it all. They hit rock bottom in the valley. That's why we're told to give thanks at all times and in all circumstances, whether you're doing well or whether it's, it, it's not so well. God is in control in the good times and bad. Our enemy in these days is the devil. And the only way to overcome today's trials is to join forces with Jesus, who overcame sin and death. So don't limit the power of God in your life. Invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift and confident hope of eternal life. What are you waiting for? If you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do, there's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says, how to invite Jesus into your life. And at the bottom of today's blog, I put two beautiful uh, contemporary worship songs. One is Hills and Valleys, And the other one is You Are God Alone. Soli Vero Gloria. To God alone be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of Scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look! I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in 
and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.